everyone, this is Chad Dotson. This is another episode of Red Leg Nation Radio. Uh, joining me again today, my good friend, Jason Linden. How are you doing today, Jason? Doing well. Hello, everyone. Uh, Jason, here a little bit later in the program, we're going to run a, an interview Jason recorded uh, earlier today with Ted Power. He's currently the pitching coach at AAA Louisville, but uh, for Reds fans of a certain age, like me, uh, and, Pat, and, and and Jason, I wasn't going to out you as being an old guy like me, but um, <coughs> Ted Power, of course, was a was a fine pitcher for the Reds in the '80s and even uh, into the '90s. Uh, I think he came back to Cincinnati and um, was around for some of the some of the fun moments that we saw with uh, Pete Rose and Eric Davis and uh, all the way through uh, through the '80s. So he's a uh, he's a guy that I have fond memories of, and uh, evidently, by all accounts, doing a really good job down in AAA, and uh, glad you got a chance to speak with him today, Jason. Yeah, he was great. Um, you know, very easy to talk to, um, very just kind of, I guess, forthcoming and, and had lots of good, interesting things to say about, about the pitchers. I, you know, and what do I know? I don't really know anything, but he, he seems to me from the way he comes off like somebody that I would want kind of dealing with my young pitchers. Uh, right, but I think it's it's pretty clear if you've listened to any of the podcasts that Jason's done before, he he really doesn't know anything. Um, no, I oh, know. <laughs> Jason, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that out loud. Um, no, Jason, uh, I'm really glad you got a chance to spend some time, uh, not just with Power today, but you've been able to spend some time with the uh, with the Louisville Bats, the Reds Triple uh, A um, franchise and Triple um, A affiliate, and really, I think uh, gained some insights on some of the guys that are that are coming. And uh, I know I know we want to talk about a guy that you're high on that Reds fans really need to to pay attention to. But but first, you were there the other night when Homer Bailey started was scheduled to go two innings, and Amir Garrett and making I believe his second start uh, since being bumped up to AAA pitched as well. Uh, and of course, I, if if you're reading Red Leg Nation, you've already read uh, some of Jason's thoughts on that game. And if you're not reading Red Leg Nation, shame on you. You should be reading Red Leg Nation every day. Um, but uh, that was an interesting evening, wasn't it, Jason? Yeah, it, w- it was an interesting evening. Um, Homer didn't throw that well. Uh, he gave up a couple of homers in a single in, uh, in one inning through 25 pitches. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote on Red Leg Nation, I think people got a little bit panicked about the two homers, and I was like, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's one inning of a relief appear- uh, or a start, technically, um, you know, on rehab in the minor leagues. It's, uh, you know, no big deal, really. Um, uh, on the interview you'll hear later, you know, Ted Power has a couple of comments on it, but, but and I've talked to, uh, Delano DeShields about it too. And, and basically the, the approach all around just seems to be like, maybe we kind of rushed things a little bit last time. This time we're just going to take our time. You know, if things don't feel entirely right, not even from an injury perspective, like I haven't heard anything, um, that there's anything hurting on Homer, but just, you know, just from a, if things don't feel great, then let's just, let's just chill. Let's be calm. Let's take our time and, uh, and let, let Homer come along. Cause as we've said so many times, right, this year doesn't matter. Yeah. What's the rush? I mean, there's no yeah. rush at all. Um, whereas with Garrett boy, uh, you know, Amir Garrett was very, very impressive. Um, again, you'll hear some comments from Ted Power um, on the interview later. I don't want to step on that too much. Uh, Delano DeShields also is very high about him. I've, you know, I've seen a couple people say, well, maybe Garrett's going to eventually end up in the bullpen. And, uh, you know, I, I asked that prefacing it with this it was me saying what others had said, not, not what I actually thought, because I hadn't seen anything that would merit that. And 
the shields was like, no, no, he's not a, he's not a bullpen pitcher. He seems, he very much seems to be the real deal. Um, you know, that fastball hangs out kind of in the low nineties, not as he looks like he throws harder than he actually throws. Um, but, but does a good job of changing speeds from what I've seen. I mean, I've watched one start, but he threw seven innings, um, and just looked fabulous. You know, he, I, there were a couple times where he dropped from 92 to 78 from one pitch to the next. And, and, you know, the minor league batter certainly just couldn't handle it. Um, it was, it was really impressive to see. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing Garrett uh, with my own eyes as well. And, um, he's a guy that, you know, he's not really been lost in the shuffle. He's been a, a you know, a fairly highly rated prospect, but you know, at the beginning of his uh, big league career, he was sort of deciding whether or not to play basketball or baseball. And he was a division one basketball player. And, um, I don't know. I just uh, for for whatever reason, I had not put him on the same uh, pedestal, maybe that uh, Robert Stevenson's been put on as a prospect. But uh, the more this guy get, learns how to pitch, uh, the better he he seems to look. And and I'm really excited to to see him to see him like yeah. I said live. I said in the post, and I'll I'll repeat it though that, I, and I I've done for some reason a, a bang up job of missing most of Robert Stevenson's starts this year. I don't know why. We just I just haven't been able to go when he's been pitching. But when I ha- I have seen him and kind of from asking around too. Garrett the other night looked better than Stevenson has looked all year. Yeah, I don't know if Stevenson's star has dimmed a little bit or if just, you know, as he's moved forward, uh, uh, it's a little more difficult. That happens with pitchers, but um, it does seem a little bit like um, Stevenson, I wouldn't say that he's stalled. Uh, he's certainly a, a, a legitimate prospect for the Reds and should be up uh, with the Reds maybe for good soon. Um Garrett, uh, he may be a little bit more of a shooting star. Uh, uh, you know, you don't want to compare him to Cody Reed, uh, but Cody Reed sort of jumped onto the scene and grabbed yeah. everybody's attention. But that's sort of, <laughs> in my mind, and maybe it's just my perspective from not paying a whole lot of attention to Garrett before. Well, I think, you know, Garrett's numbers weren't that spectacular when he was trying to play basketball and baseball. But it was like kind of as soon as he was like, okay, I'm going to do baseball and dedicated himself, he had a big jump. You know, his, his, all of a sudden his performance got a lot better, and I think that was kind of when a lot of us started to be like, wait, who's this kid? You know, is he worth looking at? And, and I think the, you know, the very much the, the perception now is that, yes, he is. And, yeah, you're right on Stevenson. It's not like we're saying that Stevenson's going to, like, flame out or, or that he's not going to be. You know, he, he's been totally fine in AAA. Like, he hasn't been, like, a disgrace or anything, but he hasn't. Um, he has, I think, kind of hit a bump, I guess. And, and, and again, I, I don't want to step too much on the interview. You'll hear some comments from Ted Power uh, on him a little later, which, which I think are pretty informative and insightful. Yeah, it's, it's not a criticism of, St- of Stevenson to say that maybe at this point, you know, Reed, Cody Reed and, and Amir Garrett are, uh, you know, making eyes open a little bit more. That doesn't that necessarily need to be read as a, as a criticism. Of Stevenson. I have to say about Amir Garrett as well. Well, uh, when, when he was still playing basketball, he, uh, uh, that was what the comments that I kept hearing were. This guy just has, just needs innings. He has not had a chance to pitch as much. Uh, it's a good thing in terms of preserving his arm, perhaps, but, uh, it looks like as soon as he got a chance to really start learning the craft, he's, uh, he started to jump into the stratosphere. But I, I, I gotta tell you, uh, I, I made a comment to you when I, when I knew that you were going to that game that I, I really felt like you should ask him, uh, <laughs> Tell him that I that I do not approve of the fact that he played for St. John's uh, in basketball because uh, you know I'm a Georgetown guy and I just can't I can't deal with a, a St. John's guy uh, in the Reds organization so I'm I'm not going to cheer for him. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right, maybe I'll be. Um, 
Well, before we get into this interview, and it really is a great wait, interview. So wait, I, I just I gotta be I gotta be clear on this. If say you know in four or five years, let's say the Reds are playing the Yankees and it's Game Seven, and there's Amir Garrett starting your 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 team. Oh wait, aren't the Yankees your B team? Hush, <laughs> oh, you're trying to get uh, the Reds fans to uh, want to lynch me here. Let me pick somebody else out. Like, I don't know the Mariners. Like you're telling me, you're, you're you're taking the Mariners over the Reds if Garrett's pitching. I'm probably gonna have to. I just I don't trust a St. John's guy uh, in that in that situation. Uh, <laughs> obviously not. Obviously not. And I hope Amir Garrett becomes uh, the greatest pitcher we've seen since uh, I don't know Johnny Cueto. Um, now shifting gears from a really highly regarded prospect at this point, uh, Amir Garrett, to there's another guy down there in Louisville who you've been sort of banging the drum about a little bit. I want to give you a chance, if you could, uh, tell me what you can tell me about this young man. Well, okay. sort sort of young man. Yeah. So who we're talking about here is uh, is Jermaine Curtis, and you know I kind of ended up looking at his numbers just as a you know when I got the press pass, you know you, you sit down and you try to familiarize yourself with the team, right? So I'm kind of thumbing through, like looking, because there are all kinds of guys that I'd never heard of before. And anyway, I'm just thumbing through the various stats and guides and stuff. And I, and I come across this guy, Jermaine Curtis, who I frankly had never heard of before. And I looked at his numbers and he's 28, which yes, okay, old for a prospect, granted. But he has hit at every single level. He came up through the Cardinal system. He's got nine years of minor league experience. His on-base percentage in the minors is 380. Currently for the bats, uh, he was just named today. This is kind of why we're talking about him. Uh, Currently for the bats, he has a 407 on-base percentage. He walks, and obviously I'm staring at fan graphs right now to give you these numbers, but he's walked this this year 13% of the time, strikes out 11.9% of the time. When I did an article... Uh, a couple days ago for Red Leg Nation, looking at at um, prospects and, and their plate approach, looking at their walk and strikeout rates, because those are, are kind of highly predictive. The two people who were in the best category in the Red system were Jesse Winker and Jermaine Curtis. They were the only people in that category of, you know, low to mid strikeouts and a high walk percentage. Um and, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, initially I was like, well, hey, hey, he's got a good on-base percentage, the Reds should think about using this guy. But the more I have seen of him, the more I think that is, is the case. You know, tonight um, he played third base and he made a couple of really excellent plays at third base, it Had a, has a great arm. He is capable of playing second, third, right field and left field, and he gets on about 40% of the time, and I don't understand how the Reds can't find a use for him. Um, you know, I, I would want him on my bench, I would think. Um, and then tonight, you know, because of the, uh, the all-star thing, and then Curtis hit a home run tonight also, which, so, you know, there was news with him. Um, so we, we were asking the Shields about him after the game, and there were a couple of uh, pretty provocative quotes. Um, you know, Delano is not... Uh, He's for, he says what he thinks, and, and he said about Jermaine Curtis, he is a major league ball player. He didn't say he could be. He said he is, um, and, he's, and he talked about how, you know, sometimes you get stuck behind people, which I think, you know, coming through the Cardinals organization, um, and, you know, that that's definitely was a, a thing uh, for Jermaine. He was, probably was stuck behind some people. Um, he's like, there are all kinds of reasons you don't get an opportunity that don't necessarily have to do with how good you are. Um, and he also said that, um, 
you know, Curtis doesn't play every day for the bats. He plays most days. He kind of gets shuffled around the field. He DHs a lot. Um, and that was something I had kind of wondered about. And without even being asked about it, um, DeShields kind of answered. He said, this is the, this is the quote. It's going to sound provocative, but it's the quote. He said, if it were up to me, Jermaine would be out there every day, but there are, and this is the big part. There are so-called prospects who you have to play. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, that is, that is very interesting. So that, you know, um, I'm not going to, you know, I have my suspicions about who he's talking about, but he didn't say names, so I'm not going to throw those out there because I don't want to misattribute anything. Um, but to, to basically say that if it were up to him, Jermaine Curtis would be playing every day, um, and to say that Jermaine deserves to be called up to the Reds, I mean, those were very strong statements. So that's, you know, you've got somebody who is, who is a, uh, a lifetime baseball professional and has all the eyes and all that stuff saying it, and you've got the numbers that agree. You know, and it's like, I know that he's 28 and people are going to be like, well, he's 28. You know, who wants to call up 28? You're like, you got to have a bench, right? So, I, God, give me somebody on my bench who gets on base 38, 40% of the time. Yeah, I mean, you're, no one's advocating uh, Jermaine Curtis come uh, to the majors and be your starting third baseman or, uh, or second baseman. He's played both of, both of those, it looks like. Mm. Uh, but, I, you know, once you sort of mention this guy, I went and looked at his uh, career. And, and I'm I'm really frankly baffled by it. His you know career on base percentage of the minors you know 380, that's good. That's um, really good. And I mean. uh, you know and this year it's 406. It looks like with Louisville. Um, and this is a guy who's 28 now and has gotten five plate appearances. Five. In I know major he's, leagues. He's never gotten a shot at all, and it just it boggles the mind. It, like how has this kid never? How has nobody ever said? you know what, maybe we don't have room to start you. And, you know, he's not a perfect player. He has no power at all. Um, you know, he's, he hit his seventh homer tonight, and that represents a career high for him. But how can you not have a spot on your bench for a guy that can get on yeah. base? I mean, that's a... And, and, and his defense is good. Like, he's not, he's not Lenny Harris, for those who remember, who could, <laughs> who could hit, but God help you if you put him in the field. Uh, no, he made some, frankly pretty brilliant plays at third tonight. Now he was just one of those nights where he got, you know, a chance to make plays and boy, he made them. Um, and yeah, it just, I don't understand. Give the, give him a chance, give the kid a chance, call him up. <laughs> you know, I, the, the Reds have a lot more information than I do. And I tend to defer to them on a, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these close calls. And we are talking about, you know, the 23rd, 24th guy on the bench maybe. Um, but you wonder how a guy like Jordan Pacheco, Gets a you know a couple of months in the big leagues and and this guy who is basically free you know I mean this mm-hmm. is a guy that you you pay the major league minimum he's happy to get it uh, and and it looks to me like for the next two or three years could be a, a bench player there's no reason to think he could oh, and and for those you know for those who care about this sort of thing um, you know DeShields also was very clear that. Um, that Curtis was a great clubhouse guy. And from, you know, the exposure I've had to him and we talked to him a little bit tonight, I, I literally have not heard a bad word from anybody in the bats organization. Everybody, you bring up Jermaine Curtis's name and they smile at you, you know? So <laughs> you, you, there's not even, it's not like he's like a grouch in the clubhouse and people don't want to deal with him. No, everybody, everybody loves him and he can hit <laughs> and he can play defense. <laughs> No downside. Sounds like happy that he got the All Star uh, nod yeah. today. But you know, uh, just just to kind of to kind of backtrack here a little bit. Um, 
you know, you're saying like, okay, you know, maybe the 23rd or 24th guy. But let me ask a question. If he were, I don't know, we go back to say when he was 23 and still hitting as well as he's hitting right now in the upper minor leagues, would, you, would, would we look at him differently? We would look at him and say, you know, this is a guy who maybe could start. You know, how much is it just age? The Reds actually have had kind of a, a history lately of calling up guys who are kind of getting long in the tooth for prospects. I, you know, I think Todd Frazier, think Jay, uh, not Jay Bruce, think Zach Cozart, and, and have gotten some pretty good production out of them from, from, you know, starting. And I'm not really advocating him as a starter necessarily, but I, I think, you know, especially for a team who's, who's probably looking to make some trades, who's in a, who's in a transitional going to be in a transitional place. There's no reason that he can't be the guy who picks up those sort of three or 400 at-bats that you're going to need somebody to take in the middle infield. You know, that's an interesting uh, point. I look at his uh, age 23 season. It was uh, 2011. He was spent the full season in double-A, hit 315, 414 on base percentage. You look at a guy like that, and if that guy's in my organization in double-A, I'm thinking, hey, this, this might be a guy that when he's 25, you know, or something, yeah. he's a guy that could be one of these sort of maybe a little bit of a late bloomer, but could be a starter. And he never got the opportunity. But looking at his numbers, it really it seems to me like a, a great possibility. It's not really his fault. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so, really – Yeah, fine. so maybe maybe what, you, maybe what you're saying is the talent actually might be there, but we don't know, and, and nobody seems to want to give this guy a chance. Yeah, and because there are guys who kind of um, – age themselves into being good in the minor leagues, if that makes sense. Right. They stick around for long enough and they get to know the league and they get to that, you know, that sort of major league physical peak of 27, 28. And so they have a couple of good years, but you look back at their history and it's not there. Whereas he's not one of those guys. He's got the history and his history is fantastic. Yeah, I'm going back and looking. He's, you know, until recently, he's old for his league now, but, uh, you know, all these years where he was young for his league, uh, the numbers are there. Uh, certainly the on-base uh, percentage, which is yeah, a, a, a like skill. A, there's no power, really, to speak of, not on a consistent basis. Um, but, you know, he sprays line drives all over the field. Uh, we may have to get the uh, Jermaine Curtis. Uh, we may need to get that, start banging that drum uh, loudly and uh, and heavily at Red Lake Nation over the next little bit because uh, you, you've convinced me, Jason. All right, mission accomplished then. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about we get to Ted Power? What do you think? Okay, sure. Uh, again, uh, Jason uh, Linden had a chance to speak with uh, Louisville Bats pitching coach and former Reds, uh, longtime Red, really. Uh, spent a number of years with the Reds. Uh, Ted Power earlier today. Let's, let's go to that interview now. Okay, so this is the uh, Red Leg Nation radio podcast. And um, today we have joining us as a guest, uh, Ted Power, pitching coach for the AAA Louisville Bats. Um, Ted, thank you very much for agreeing to do the interview. You're welcome. Glad sure. to do it. Um, I have a bunch of things I want to talk to you about, uh, largely having to do with, with Reds pitcher development, obviously. Okay. Um, first, um, the Reds lately have had a, seems like an organizational philosophy of trying to draft kind of highly touted relievers and then turn them into starting pitchers. Um, there's been kind of mixed results with that, you know, some thinking especially of Iglesias' shoulder uh, not really seeming to hold up. What do you think about that? Do you think that that's a viable philosophy? Um, well, I have absolutely zero involvement with the draft, so I don't know if these guys are relievers when we draft them or if they're starters when we draft them, and, and especially, you know, guys from outside of the country 
you never know what they are. But uh, I don't know. I think I think any pitcher can learn to be a starter or learn to be a reliever. But the workloads are different, so each pitcher is different. Um, there were some comments today in uh, an article in the Inquirer in Cincinnati that uh, Brian Price made about the importance of change-ups uh, in the organization and seemed to be talking about that as uh, sort of the lack of good change-ups as maybe contributing to why home runs are being hit so much and the importance of a change-up to offset a fastball that, you know, not a 95-mile-per-hour fastball doesn't necessarily matter as much if you can't throw a change-up. Um, is that something you would agree with? And then along those lines, who do you see you know, here in Louisville, maybe who you think has an especially good changeup? Well, I, I agree. I think a changeup is a very, very good pitch to have, and a lot of guys have trouble learning it because it's an it's an awkward grip of the ball in order to slow the ball down without slowing your arm down too much or changing your arm angle. It's it's sometimes difficult to learn, but uh, there's all different kinds of grips. So, you know, there's a bunch of them for for them to choose from. Um, I forgot the other part of your question. Um, who do you think oh. here has a good changeup? Uh, Wandy Peralta has an exceptional changeup, and for for a young guy, Amir Garrett has a very very good changeup. Uh, Kiva Sampson, who's now with the major league club, his changeup got a lot better last month. Uh, and I'm probably leaving some guys out, but those are the ones that come to mind. Okay, um, I want to hit on some particular prospects and names. I'm sure you can probably mostly predict, and just kind of get your thoughts on those guys. Um, you know, where you think they're headed, what issues you think they might still need to work on, uh, those kind of things. First, he's already graduated, but he's been having a hard time so far, Cody Reed. Well, uh, one of the things we noticed when Cody was down here was sometimes he mechanically does something that makes his pitching arm get down a little bit low or his hand gets a little bit low, and the, the good sinkers aren't there and the good sliders that have tilt going down aren't there. But he's, he's a very... Uh, willing person to, to learn and to try things that are different. So I, I think Cody's going to be fine, but the, it's just a more consistent delivery where the ball has downhill angle coming towards the hitters. With uh, with Reed, I've, I've been up here a lot in the press box, and I know there were a couple of times where he seemed to lose it a little bit, and then you would come out and it would be fixed almost seemingly right away. Is it is it often kind of that easy that you just need to go out and poke him and say, hey, or is it a... Uh, you know, sometimes it is. Sometimes he just doesn't realize what he's doing, um, and, and I can see it, but he can't feel it. So just a quick reminder of, hey, get your hand up. You're, you're starting to get wide, and you're losing you know, the action on the sinker and the slider, so let's get that hand up where it is. Because when he throws his change up, he's, he's in a very good position with his hand and his arm. But he just gets out of whack when he throws the fastball and the slider sometimes. So, yeah, sometimes it's as simple as, hey, Get your hand up. And I could probably do it from the dugout, but usually they need a little bit of a breather, so that's one of the other reasons to go out. Great, thank you. Um, Robert Stevenson has been having trouble with control this year. I think he's too worried about control. I mean, it's important. Fastball command is very important. But when you worry about it too much and you, you let your misses bother you too much, then it's hard to make the little adjustments and get back on track. So that's one of the things that I've been proud of Robert. His last, his last outing was very good, and he, he just wasn't worried about missing once in a while. He's too much of a perfectionist, and, and it doesn't have to be perfect to achieve the result that you're looking for. Um, you've only seen him a couple of times at this point, um, but Amir Garrett? 
Amir Garrett's got he's got a very quick arm and uh, it, it's deceiving to the hitters. You know, he doesn't throw in the upper 90s, but he'll stay right around 90 to 93. I think he's he's been here. Um, but his his focus is really really good, and he's a heck of an athlete. I mean, he's in tremendous condition. Uh, the other night when he threw those seven innings, he could have easily thrown the last inning or two. It's, it he, he was fine, but he's he's got a very high ceiling, I think. And uh, hopefully, you know, there is no rush to get him there. I want him to get his feet solid on the ground here, and then when he go up there, he's ready mentally and physically. Okay. Um, somebody, and you brought him up a little bit earlier, and I was looking at his numbers a little bit and has had a really good year for you all until you lost him today was uh, Kiva Sampson. Um, he's a little bit older than some of the other prospects. I think he's 25. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see for him as sort of his, his level of potential and sort of his potential ceiling? Well, I think he's a big league pitcher, and, and one of the things that he did real well here, especially this past month, was he commanded his fastball. Throw it away, throw it in, elevate it, throw it down, uh, and then, like I said, the changeup has come a long ways, and that was a very effective pitch for him. His slider got better. He's always had a curveball, but his slider got better, and and just trusting his stuff, just believing in himself, and pitching his game. Um, kind of along the lines of Samson, I went back before this, and I was kind of looking back at your career. Um, you didn't come up until you were 26 to the majors, and you know. A lot of days, and this, you know, I'm not 26 anymore either. Uh, it seems so silly to talk about, to think about 26 as being old, but a lot of people view that as 25, 26. Why aren't they in the big leagues yet? Um, does your experience inform that? Do you think you're a little more, I guess, apt to think that these guys who maybe are a little bit older still have a really good shot at, at making an impact? Oh, yeah. They all have guys that are 25, 26, 27, 28 even have a chance of making an impact and a lot of times it's just a matter of getting a chance with the right club I'm not saying the Reds aren't the right club for them to get their chance but sometimes there's a little more opportunity there to to uh, go up and, and get half a dozen starts instead of two or three that don't go too well so boom you just get sent back down but uh, there's there's so many reasons sometimes why guys aren't in the big leagues it's maybe their stuff isn't good enough maybe they're not consistent enough from one outing to the next. Maybe they're working on a pitch and it's not quite major league ready yet. For me, I was stuck behind a heck of a good staff in the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, and I was tearing it up in AAA all the way. But it, there's a lot of reasons why the older, but you know, 27 isn't very old, guys sort of get stuck in AAA sometimes for too long. And sometimes you're just, like you said, you're just behind somebody. Behind, yeah, or or somebody's, yeah, multiple. Um, who on who have you seen on the bats who you feel like is a sleeper with sort of maybe real potential to contribute at the major league level that even people who follow the team closely might not might not be thinking too hard about. Well, it's kind of funny, but he's right now he's on our disabled list, and it's Chad Rogers. Chad's been in the organization for several years, and uh, he had some arm problems. He hasn't pitched much in the last year and a half. And this year when he came in, his stuff was the best it's ever been. And I think it's, you know, maybe he changed his eating habits, I don't know, but uh, he has really gotten himself in top-notch shape and nothing seems to bother him. You know, he's he's a competitor, but he's not going to show it to you when he's out there on the mound. 
And up until his arm got sore, unfortunately we had to put him in some of these starts where your relievers have to pick up a game because your starter gets taken. And it might have been too much of a workload for him. But he'll be fine. It's nothing serious, nothing like a surgery, you know, would have to be happening. But uh, I, I really think Chad might be a sleeper. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, somebody that we've got that you, you're obviously dealing with right now that you wouldn't normally um, is Homer Bailey. Um, can you tell us anything about how, I mean, we're just at the start of sort of round two of the attempt, but how's he, how's he doing so far? He's doing fine. Uh, the start he had here the other day, you know, it's... it's Everybody knows that you know he was supposed to go two innings and he went one. He he said you know it just didn't feel like it was coming out real well and it wasn't. You know was, I think he topped out at 92 or 93 and that that's not Homer Bailey. But Homer and I go way back and I think I have a good rapport with him. Um, we've become friends off the field, not just as a coach and a player. And we've looked at a lot of video and noticed some differences from before to now and. Homer's very competitive. He he wants to feel as good on his bullpen days as he does the days that he starts. And I understand that, but you just have to be patient. But somebody with his talent and the things that he's already achieved, it's hard for them to have patience, which I understand. And, you know, coming off of Tommy John surgery, I think there's kind of a misconception because there have been several pitchers come back pretty quickly and perform at a high level pretty quickly that then... I think people hear it and they start to think, well, everybody should do that. But that's not necessarily the reality. Um, with, with Tommy John surgery, what kind of, um, what do you think is a reasonable period for recovery time when, okay, you can expect that this guy is going to be back now? How well, long? Probably the second season afterwards, but uh, I'm no expert okay. on that. I, you know, I, I don't spend hours reading articles on Tommy John. But uh, we have a very, very good trainer here, Steve Gober, who was with the Nationals before we got him, and he has gone through a lot of rehabs with guys that had Tommy John, and he knows it better than anybody. So I feel like, you know, while Homer's here, he's in very, very good hands. Okay, um, that's what I have on the sort of bats and, and sort of the immediate stuff. I thought I would ask you kind of a couple of lighter questions um, about your own career. Um, first, I thought this would just be kind of a fun thing to ask. Um, what would Ted Power, pitching coach, tell Ted Power, 24-year-old minor leaguer? <laughs> well, when I was 24, he would probably tell me to, uh, to uh, quit trying to throw the ball as hard as I could all the time and learn how to pitch, you know, not nip for corners and stuff like that, but mix my pitches and, and uh, be able to throw a curveball and a changeup because at 24, all I had was a fastball and a slider. Um, as a player, what was your, uh, what's maybe kind of a favorite memory from your, from your playing days? Well, uh, I was lucky enough to get into the playoffs in 1990 when the Reds won the World Series. I was playing for the Pirates, and I pitched in three of the playoff games. Pitched relatively well. The, the first game I actually got a save uh, by striking out Chris Sabo with the tying run on third base. So that was a high point. Um, I was, I was there the last night that Johnny Bench played in Cincinnati. I was there the night that Pete Rose got his got the hit that broke the record. And I actually, actually ended up getting the last ball in play because it was a ground ball to Pete. I covered first. I was in for the save, and I got the ball. So that's a, that's a few of the memories that are right at the top, but there's been hundreds. Now, um, you know, you mentioned Pete Rose. Pete Rose, of course, they just finished honoring him in Cincinnati. 
Do you have a uh, maybe a good Pete Rose story that you could share with us? That's family audience appropriate. <laughs> well, but but can you? Uh, let me think. Yeah, yeah. One one day I, I was starting a game in Cincinnati, so I came out onto the bench. The other team was taking infield back when they used to take infield before the games. And Pete was sitting on the bench. I said, what are you, or he asked me what I was doing out there so early. And I said, I just like to get away from the clubhouse and quiet for a few minutes before I start. I said, what are you doing out here? He said, I'm watching them take infield. And I said, well, why? He said, watch, what's the right fielder? When he fields a ground ball, as he's coming up with the ball, his head is down. If he does, if I hit a ball to right field for a single, and he does that to me, I'll be standing on second without even sliding. And I looked at him and I said, you're an old man. He'll throw you out by a mile. Well, sure enough, his second time up, he hit the ball through the four hole. I watched the whole thing. I watched the outfielder. He kept his head down. Pete never slowed down. He wasn't tremendously fast at that time, but he was standing on second base and hadn't slid. And he was looking right in the dugout for me to say, see, I told you so. And the point is, Pete could notice things the very day of the game and put them into his game for that day. I never met another player that could do that. Never. That's a good story. Ted Power, thank you very much. All Appreciate right. it. You're welcome. Hey, great interview, Jason. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, it was, you know... Uh, a pleasure to speak with Ted Power, and of course, we thank everybody in the uh, in the Bats organization for allowing us the kind of access they've allowed us to have this year. Absolutely. The Bats have been very, very kind uh, to Red Leg Nation. They are uh, absolutely a first-class organization all the way. I think you'll agree with that. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for uh, this episode of Red Leg Nation Radio. Uh, as always, thank you very much for downloading and listening. Uh, if you want to go over to iTunes, give us a, a rating and a review. That helps us out. Uh, Follow Jason Linden on Twitter at Jason Linden, J-A-S-O-N-L-I-N-D-E-N. You can follow me at Dotson C, D-O-T-S-O-N-C. And, of course, follow us at Red Leg Nation. Go to redlegnationradio.com where you can find all of our past episodes, and you can subscribe to the podcast there as well. And As I always say, if you like us, tell people about us. Tell your friends. Get people to subscribe. And if you don't like us, just keep your mouth shut. Uh, for Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying... So long, everyone.